You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. for us to be here. I'd like to say thanks to the CFP committee and the CFP group that's hosted us. What a tremendous job they've done um, in L.A. to host our players. Um, I know over at our hotel, our players have enjoyed the hospitality room. They've had an opportunity to, to be together. And, um, you know, we, we had the fortune of having a lot of guys last year that left for the NFL. But every one of those guys that left for the NFL tell our players, you better enjoy this moment because it's different at the next level, and uh, these guys have a special bond that they get to spend together. There's countless hours and minutes that these teams, both of us, have spent preparing. Uh, it's, it's a long process to get to the semifinal in terms of 28 or however many days, and then you got another 10, and you end up spending a lot of time together through uh, Christmas and uh, through New Year's and through travel. And uh, our guys have really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed it. It's why we get in this business. And what a great stage uh, we get to play on Monday night. Um, and uh, just honored to be here and represent the University of Georgia. We'll open up uh, for. Big Noon Sports. It is that time. We're like less than seven hours away from the battle for the national championship as you've got TCU, the third seed of the four going to the college football playoffs, taking on Georgia, who is trying to go back-to-back for the first time since, uh, oh, yeah, that was Alabama. Alabama not involved in the final for the college football playoff. A little odd. No, it's a lot odd for us in this part of the country. But And we'll get into great detail about that as we welcome you in uh, once again to Big Noon Sports. By the way, our website is up and running. We appreciate that. If you want to uh, dial us in, you can also click and listen and uh, on that platform as well at Big no- www. People still say the www. I don't think so. Uh, BigNoonSports.com. So uh, make sure and put that on your phone and on your computer, your laptop, whatever the case may be. Matt Coulter, Lars is taking a day off. we got Christian Miller as well and a bunch to talk about, and we'll do so. Okay, got some basketball to talk about at the bottom of the hour as uh, Alabama just waylaid Kentucky this past Saturday afternoon. And then Kevin Skarbinski, longtime sports writer here in the state of Alabama, will be joining us at 1 o'clock to talk about the national championship. But we can talk about that with uh, two-time national champion linebacker from the University of Alabama. That is Christian Miller. Christian, did you have a nice weekend? I uh, enjoyed it, Matt. How was yours? Uh, I didn't do it. I mean, I was pretty much Mr. Lazy. Uh, I sat around with the as my dad used to call it, the clicker, uh, which is the remote. But I sat around with a remote in my hand until last night when I fell asleep. So um, very relaxing right. weekend. Needed yep. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that bad. Um, but you do kind of feel like, ah, I didn't get anything done other than watch a whole bunch of football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we will go in-depth uh, about TCU and Georgia. But do you just have some initial thoughts? Is uh, First of all, um, 
you're not where you want to be, are we? <laughs> no, we definitely. Uh, we, we should. Yeah, definitely, definitely an anomaly without Alabama in the playoffs. But you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know, just gotta tip your hat to the two teams that are competing tonight. You know, they they both have put in a lot of hard work and, and dedication to get to this point, and uh, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I think it's going to uh, surprisingly be a much better game than some of these people might uh, be thinking right now. Why do you think that? You think TCU can hang with Georgia? You know, I just I think that they they do several things well, and um, you know the the things that that stick out to me is you know their team speed. They're a very fast team um, that uh, causes a lot of problems, but also you know they lead the country in big plays. Um, so they're very they're they're very explosive, but it's not your typical explosive offense. You know they're they're very balanced. You know they do a really good job running the football and uh, throwing the football. So. Um, I, I just think, and then plus, you know, in a game like this, you usually get everybody's best, right? You know, this is uh, the grand finale, and uh, it's it's a one game season. You know, it, this is all the marbles are in, are, all the marbles are in right now. So, uh, I, I think you're going to get TCU's best game, and and I think Georgia's going to play a lot better than they played in their previous games. So, I think it's just going to be a really good matchup tonight. It's also as we have seen throughout the season, we start, you know, first got TCU on the radar. Uh, there's a lot of fighting them frogs. Uh, don't let them being down by 10 late uh, influence the outcome of the game or at least who you're pulling for because TCU will come back and come back and come back as uh, they get ready to take on the dogs. You know what's interesting, uh, Christian, just from a in the state of Alabama deal, uh, and I guess around the SEC, do, do you get the feeling even uh, regionally that um, Alabama fans and maybe even some other SEC fans are pulling again, or they're pulling for TCU and against Georgia. Yeah, it kind of seems like that, and I think one of the biggest reasons is you know all we're hearing right now is how you know Georgia looks like the the new dynasty in college football right now, and um, you know again hats off to, to Kirby Smart and, and the phenomenal job he's doing over there, but. I think we got to pump the brakes on that narrative, and uh, I think other Alabama fans are a little um, hesitant as well. So that's probably where that's coming from, Matt. Well, it's uh, you know I'm an SEC guy, and, and see, even if it's a distance brother or it's a brother you fought with all your life, I think I'd rather see my brother win the championship than somebody that's not in my family. But uh, Christian, I get the feeling that uh, I may be very, I may be in a huge mind. You can't have a huge minority. I may be in the minority as far as that is concerned. Maybe a little bit, Matt. And 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 again, I think you know, people look at what Kirby's doing over there, and and it largely resembles what had been done here at Alabama. And I think some people are thinking he's kind of uh, ripping a page out of Coach Saban's recipe book. So, um, yeah, I, I know I'm I'm kind of conflicted as well. You know, I, you know, I want to you know go for the SEC team, but at the same time, I, I just know. Uh, uh, another Georgia national championship, you know, making it two back to back, first time ever done in the college football playoff era. Uh, yeah, man, it's just going to just start a roller coaster of of you know the new dynasty in Georgia, and I'm just not ready to to crown them that just yet. Because um, again, people started saying that stuff about Clemson when you know they had their run and they're going against us and and, and won their couple of championships, but just not quite, just not quite there yet. And we, we saw that from them this year, so. Um, I think people just don't want to hear that narrative, Matt. It's just not yet, not yet. You know, back to back is is you know phenomenal, uh, but yeah, just I don't I don't think they're there just yet. So they they still have a little bit of work to do. What has Georgia done that mirrored 
what um, Saban has done that Kirby took to Athens. Well, if you just look at the way they play the game, you know, they, they take pride in their um, physical toughness and their mental toughness and um, their ability to, you know, get movement up front and push you off the ball and, and, and just really just play like a bully. And uh, you look at things like that and you just um, just just so many just similarities in, in terms of just um, their, you know, run first mentality. You try to run it down your throat and open up their passing game and. Um, it, it, there's just a lot of a lot of things. I mean, even their defense, the way they they play aggressive on defense, and they're fast and physical. And uh, I think a lot of it just resembles Alabama, and rightfully so. I mean, you're talking about their head coach was uh, the defensive coordinator here under Nick Saban, and won several national championships here with Coach Saban. So um, it makes sense. Uh, but it's just it's just interesting how you, you look at them, and it, it does look so familiar. Um, but again, I mean, I, what, what would you expect? I mean, the guy. Coach under Nick Saban, I mean, he'd be a fool not to uh, learn and, and be a sponge and soak up as much knowledge um, and, and um, information as he could while he was here. So, um, again, you got to respect them. You know, they're, they're, they're doing a great thing over there at Georgia. You know, they have a lot of guys also from over here in their program, and uh, they're having success, and that's ultimately what matters. You know, one thing I will say is if you ever get a chance, if you just listen to uh, Kirby Smart's pregame speeches, I mean – he does a great job, you know, getting his guys ready to play and, and getting them um, ready to go out there and, and play for each other. And uh, hell, he had me uh, fired up, wanting to go out there and play. But um, I think Kirby just does a lot of things well. Um, obviously, you know, he does X's and O's well. But I, th- I think that's one thing um, that's underappreciated is his leadership and his ability to motivate um, and encourage his guys to go out there and do their job each and every week. Did Kirby? Pull the defenses over when um, y'all were getting ready for a, for a huge ball game, and did he have his own individual thing, or did that all funnel through Nick Saban? No, no. The coordinator, so the offense will meet uh, on their side of the locker room. Defense will meet on their their side of uh, the locker room. Um, so yeah, you'll get speeches from you know the offensive coordinator will uh, talk to his guys, defensive coordinator will talk to his guys. Then um, to sum it all up, we'll get together as a team right before we run out, and you know Coach Saban will kind of. Uh, give his spiel to the team, and uh, but to answer your question, yeah, no, Kirby always, you know, gave his uh, pep talk or speech, you know, right before Coach Saban. So he did a good job when when he was here at Alabama, and and I'm I'm seeing videos of him doing it, doing the same thing at Georgia, and he, he does a really good job of it. Do you remember anything in particular, or a game in particular, where Kirby said something that might have sparked you or juiced you a little bit more than usual? Uh, I mean, I'm really just, I always was just excited to go out there, but you know, his, his, his things were just similar. And I, I still feel like I hear the same message, um, when he's talking to his teams now, you know, it's go out there for 60 minutes in a game, you know, do your job, play for the guy next to you, but ultimately go hit somebody in the mouth, uh, play fast, play physical, um, just be relentless. Um, he just, it's those messages that he relays to you is, is really just fast and physical and tough, like just the style of football where, you know, you just you know, pretty much make make the opponent quit, you know, make them not want to play you anymore. And, you know, you hear Coach Saban say it as well. So a, a lot of it, um, you know, kind of sounds very similar. But it, that's the basic message. And, and that's ultimately what I feel like we see these guys go out there and do. You know, they they go out there. You know, Georgia's team is playing very fast this year. I mean, they got, they got a lot of speed on that team. Uh, we watch them up front. You know, they're physical. They're dominant. Um, they play with a lot of intensity. And uh, those are the things that, that he would preach before we would go out there and play. One thing is for certain that he has uh, taken to Athens from Tuscaloosa is Kirby gets the four- and five-star players 
And I think I read earlier that maybe he has 60, something like that, mm-hmm. on his roster, and TCU might have 20. And kind of wonder in the long run with substitution patterns and all if that won't weigh in the Georgia Bulldogs' favor as we get into the, you know, late in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. But like I said, man, there's a lot of fight in those frogs. I I really hope for a very, very good football game. Um, And as I said earlier, I'm probably in the minority, but I'm kind of pulling for them Bulldogs. Speaking of Bulldogs, interesting note on UGA when we get back on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Straight Talk Wireless knows there are plenty of reasons you might need a new phone. But switching to a better wireless provider doesn't have to be one of them. Keep your own phone and save when you... Big trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 64. Wednesday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. First of all, I just want to thank all of you for being here and covering college football. And uh, we're all really, really fortunate and blessed to have an opportunity to work in this great game. Um, Kirby and I as coaches and you guys as the media. Uh, Kirby and I both grew up son of, we're both sons of, of, of coaches. And, you know, I grew up reading um, articles and columns and, and newspapers uh, talking about football and my dad's games and other people's games as a child. So we have a real appreciation for what you guys do and, and how important you are to college football and what makes this game so great. So just want to thank all of you for being here and covering uh, this event. Uh, it's been a heck of a week for us. Um, this is our obviously our first time to be on a stage like this. And, you know, our players have um, really responded well to, to the challenge of taking all this in uh, because it's new for us and it's uncharted territory for most of our players. Uh, You've heard me say this before, but we have four players on our team uh, that had ever participated in a bowl game uh, before this year's uh, Fiesta Bowl. So, you know, bowl prep, playing in big games like this um, is new for many of our guys, not necessarily new for TCU, but certainly for the the players on our team. So I'm really proud of the way they've handled everything. I think that they are um, have exceeded expectations in terms of their ability to focus on what's important and not get distracted. There's so many opportunities to do that, obviously, with, with all the things that are going on, especially being here in Los Angeles. So it's been a heck of a journey for these players. I've been really proud of the way they've handled everything. It's a humble group. Uh, they know how blessed they are to to get a chance to, uh, to go to TCU and to play football at TCU and represent uh, the Big 12 uh, here in the National. There you hear it. He's the National Coach of the Year in just about everybody's book. But uh, that's Sonny Dykes, who's the head coach of TCU. It's just amazing, Christian, when you look at what's gone on and, and the fact that they're in the championship. They're 13-1. and one. They um, started, you know, they Sonny Dykes came and inherited a team Let's see. In 2021, the Horn Frogs were five and seven, 
Were they on anybody's radar when we began the season back in August? Absolutely not. Um, matter of fact, what was their, I think their record last year was pretty bad, wasn't it? I think they were picked like seventh or eighth in their conference. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody was expecting them to have the year that they're having. I mean, they, they had one of the worst odds, I think, in college football to make it at this point. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were three and six in the Big 12 in 2021. Um, so the year prior. And now we're talking about them uh, facing Georgia in the national championship. And the only game they've lost was um, one that, that came at pretty much was it the last second. Uh, or they, they barely lost in, to, to Kansas State in their conference championship game. So, I mean, right. hats off to, to Sonny Dykes and uh, the, the the phenomenal job that he's done with this, this team. And um, uh, it definitely does feel like one of those Cinderella stories. But Again, they got to go out there and, and, and finish what they started tonight. And uh, it's not going to be an easy task going against a, a really talented Georgia team. Uh, but, you know, Matt, it's funny. I don't think uh, too many people saw Georgia repeating this year either. I mean, a lot of people assumed Alabama would be not in this with game. Not what they had to replace on defense. Right. I mean, they, you know that. Yeah. That Georgia defense last year was incredible. Yeah. They lost a lot of guys um, going, out, going out to the draft and, and whatnot. And, um, for them to, to to have the season they're having is also um, a very huge feat as well, in my opinion. I know you know they're a talented bunch and they're the defending champions, but they they lost a lot of a lot of uh, guys last year. So two two really good football teams facing off tonight, and uh, I'm expecting a really big game. If it comes down to quarterback, which way do you lean? I mean, you got Max Duggan, who was a Heisman Trophy finalist, and then you've got Stetson Bennett, who's just kind of like a magic man. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough to say. It's really tough. I, I will say I really like Max Duggan. You know, he's arguably the toughest, you know, quarterback we've seen this season. Um he he just he does a lot of a lot of things well. He he can make all the throws, but man, you know he 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 threatens you with his legs. Believe it or not, you know you, you wouldn't expect it from a guy like him, but he he really can attack you with his legs. Um, run some of that zone run, uh, zone scheme um, that they that they do, and um, you know he he just he he's a great leader. You know he he's fiery, and um, you know again he can do everything that you ask him to. He he fits that system very nicely. So. Uh, I, I, that's tough to say um, because Stetson, Stetson Bennett as well is one of those guys that I think he's also underappreciated. But if you really watch his tape, um, he's a he's a really good quarterback as well and gives them a great uh, chance to win with with his ability as well. I mean, he makes some really nice throws as well. So it, I think these are two you know underrated kind of unsung hero type quarterbacks that that'll be facing off tonight. Does Bennett or Duggan remind you of anybody you played with at Alabama? Um, man, you know, not quite. I mean, maybe Stetson could kind of be somewhat similar to uh, Mac Jones somewhat. Maybe not too close of a comparison, but if I had to choose one, maybe. Um, just because, you know, they make they make all the throws you need. They're really good system guys. They fit well. Um you know they're they're really passionate, um, but that'd probably be the closest thing that I that I could probably come up with um, just off the top of my head. Um, more more along the lines of a game management guy, but then again, somebody that can make the plays when you really really need them, which obviously Mac could exactly. You know, some of the other guys 
Um, I don't know. Is, is Jalen Hurts more of a Max Duggan guy because he can pull it down and run with it? I, I think Jalen's a uh, far better athlete, in my opinion. But um, if you had to, yeah, if you had to, you know, pick um, someone he'd be closer to, yeah, I would say he's probably closer to a Jalen than than a Mac Jones. Uh, referring to Max Duggan, but uh, I, I don't think they're too similar, but probably closer um, alike than than he would be to Mac Jones. Do you see either one of them playing at the next level? Oh, I think uh, they'll both definitely get a shot at the next level. Um, you know, maybe, it, you know, it's tough to say. I, I would say Max maybe more of a mid-round guy, you know, fourth fourth round area. Um, Stetson, you know, originally I probably would have said undrafted or, or a late-round guy, but I feel like, you know, he's, you know, proven himself, um, you know, week by week, and um, – Again, the guy's a winner, and that's what teams want. Teams want winners, especially at the quarterback position. Um, they're the head of the team. They're the leader uh, of the team. And so th th that that's crucial um, to have uh, as a quality when you're a quarterback. So I, I think both of these guys definitely get a shot at the next level. Um, I'd probably say both of them are you know mid to late around guys. Probably could work their way up, uh, especially with a big game in a, in a championship game like this. Uh, maybe could work their way into the uh, late second round, maybe – uh, third round, um, but they definitely will get uh, opportunities at the next level without a doubt. Just to throw this note out at you because I mentioned it and then saw it again this morning, Uga, the prized English Bulldog mascot for the Georgia Bulldogs, is not making the trip. Uh, evidently, he is uh, somewhat aged, like maybe 10. It's Uga 10, I believe, is the official title of this English Bulldog, but he can't make the trip. I just find that as an interesting note. Probably has, probably heck, won't have anything to do with the outcome of the game. But you know how Georgia Bulldogs love that Ugga. Um, oh, yeah. He will be missed by many, many of the fans on hand. And um, I, uh, I like the little bulldog. I think it's one of the really, really true great mascots. Uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to mascots when you're over on the sideline. Did did you ever even look around, or uh, did you ever see the blue tick hound for Tennessee, or is that just something you're, you're focused on a football game, right, Christian? Definitely, but uh, the times I would see these mascots would be like pregame when we're coming out the tunnel or whatnot. Sometimes they'd be you know uh, marching them around the field or, or moving them around uh, pregame. So then you'd you'd see them then. So yeah, I remember seeing that hound uh, for Tennessee and. I'm trying to remember if I saw Ugga or not when we played at Georgia in 2015. Um, I feel like I may remember seeing Ugga, maybe not, but I definitely remember seeing the Hound at Tennessee. You know who has a cool, uh, uh, cool thing? You know LSU has that Tiger. That's that's pretty cool. No, oh, Mike the Tiger. Yeah, um, very intimidating. And uh, they used to. I don't know if they still do this or not. They they position that big cat to where the opposing teams would. Uh, take note or have to take note when they came <laughs> on off the field. Did they do that when you were when you were down there at LSU? I don't think it was too close, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing yeah. it at some point. Um, yeah, that's pretty intimidating, cat to to say the very very least. One of my favorites, and this is probably not going to be real popular, but the eagle flying into Jordan Hare Stadium is uh, truly one of the great bits of pageantry in all of college football. So, oh yeah, that's cool. Um, and I don't know if uh, TCU, I guess I should know, do they have a little cage with a frog in it? A little horn frog? <laughs> Probably be too small for anybody <laughs> to see, but maybe they do have a tiny little frog for good luck or something. Maybe a ritual thing. 
I uh, I guess I don't have much time on. Yeah, I, I have no too much time on my hands. But uh, what a horned frog is a desert frog. Uh, <laughs> what is that? They have the hypnotoad. They've been rocking this year. The hypnotoad. Now I saw that earlier. Exactly what is a hypnotoad? So it's from the show Futurama, and it's essentially it would just control whoever was watching the TV screen by looking to the toad's eye. And so they're saying they get they hypnotize the defense. Oh, did you know that a horned frog can <laughs> squirt blood from its eyeballs? Did you know that? No. I did not know that. A horned frog is not an amphibious frog. It is a desert frog. And I guess when, as a part of its defense mechanism, it can squirt blood from its eyeballs. Now, where? Uh, what other show are you going to get that? I mean, come on now. Wow. Somebody does a reptilian bit of a deep dive for you on that particular horn frog. But anyway, <laughs> uh, all of that aside, uh, Bulldogs, Horn Frogs, what is it called? Hypno Frog from Futurama? Hypnotoad. Hypnotoad. Uh, and the other thing, too. Futurama, is that what you said? I'm not sure. I don't know oh, man, dude, I don't, I, I don't anyway. know if you would have seen Futurama. That's, a, that's an interesting show there, man. <laughs> um, hey, did you end up going to the Kentucky-Alabama basketball game? I did not go, but I did watch it, and that was a, a beatdown hmm. by Alabama. And hopefully we can talk with Brian about that coming up. We are. Brian Passing up next on Big Noon Sports and www.bignoonsports.com. And you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity. Thirty plus scouts. Is this what you envision this this time in the year? And you got a tough, undefeated in SEC play, Arkansas next. How do you kind of you talking about putting your foot off the gas? How do you how do you keep it going? You know what? We we gotta enjoy today. Tomorrow we gotta get locked down on Arkansas. Like, I mean, it's great that we played well in front of all these people, and it was great to see Coach Saban there in the front row. He uh, he doesn't make it out to too many. I think he has to take too many pictures and sign too many autographs when he comes out. So. It was nice to see. There you have Nate Oates following uh, Alabama's crushing defeat over Kentucky. The final was 78-52. to Also courtside, along with Nick Saban, was Brian Passink with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He's a color analyst. Um, Brian, I, you probably didn't sign as many autographs as Nick did, but I, I know you were courtside. Uh, you doing okay? Did you have a nice weekend? No, I did have a nice weekend. And, uh, yeah, just Nick and I uh, sitting courtside. But, you know, just yep. uh, good, to, good to have uh, – I think he's a football coach, right? I, I'm more of a – you know, I just follow basketball. Yep. He, he thought yep. he coaches the football. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought he looked familiar. Yep. Um, you know, it was funny. So he walks in, and uh, he was sitting in, in, you know, right in front of some recruits. And I just happened uh, happened to be good friends uh, with – the parents of a high-profile recruit that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. But anyway, um, I was talking to uh, this particular basketball recruit's parents, 
uh, after the game, and he said when Coach Saban walked up, it, they were like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this!" And and they were they enjoyed it, and it was awesome. But we're so nervous because there were like fifteen thousand or I guess thirty thousand uh, eyeballs on them the whole time because everybody was staring at Coach Saban. Uh, so that was pretty cool uh, to have Coach and Miss Terry in the house. You know, it's a big game uh, when the 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 first uh, couple of the state of Alabama are in attendance. So just made for an even special, even more special afternoon at Coleman Coliseum. Brian, could you just break down that game for us? Because man, it was a very impressive. Um, you know, Alabama just looked phenomenal and, and, and really just boat race Kentucky. Could you just break down um, your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I thought it was two of the most talented teams in the country. Uh, and Alabama obviously uh, took it to Kentucky, who's struggling right now. They're not playing very well. Um, but d- don't um, lose sight of how talented that team is. I mean, there were 33 NBA scouts at that game. And a big reason why is Brandon Miller and some of his teammates on the Alabama side, but there are a bunch of guys uh, they're going to play at the next level that were wearing Kentucky blue. Uh, so there was talent all over the court on both sides. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think the way that Alabama's playing right now defensively uh, is it, it generates your offense. They're able to get stops. The leading rebounding team in the country, they're closing out possessions by rebounding the ball and getting out in transition. And, you know, there's a confidence, there's a swagger, uh, there's Brandon Miller. <laughs> there's a lot of things going right for the Crimson Tide right now. Uh, and I think this team, although very young, is, is also very mature. And they're starting to get better in some areas that they've struggled in. They're taking much better care of the basketball, which has been really the only issue, um, I think, that, that at least that's popped up with any – uh, consistency is, is the ability to take care of the ball. Well, they've done a much better job of that the last two games, and the result are two blowout wins over talented teams. I mean, Kentucky was projected to win the SEC, projected by many to go to the Final Four this year, and uh, and, and Ole Miss is a team that, that Alabama um, was expected to handle. They did, uh, but also a, a team uh, that's going to win some games this year because uh, Kermit Davis does a great job, and uh, they've got high-level SEC talent as well. But it was an impressive win. It was a fun afternoon. And to beat Kentucky by the largest margin uh, in the history of the series uh, is definitely uh, impressive in, in, a lot of re- in, in a lot of areas. I thought the job that Alabama did overall defensively, but most, most notably uh, Betty Ako did, the seven-footer on Meshibwe, just uh, – it was it was incredible. He had nine and six rebounds. Deshibwe ended up with four and six. He came in in wasn't he the um, uh, uh, national basketball player of the year last year? I know he was for the SEC. But anyway, this guy is a bull. You were talking about Mule King last week, but <laughs> he's an outstanding player. And Betty Ako just checked him. Yeah, he did. Um, it, it really incredible game by all the interior players for Alabama against. Yeah, you're right. He, he was the national player of the year a season ago, and and you don't expect the national player of the year at the University of Kentucky to come back, and he did. 
And listen, that's kind of one of the positives of NIL. It, it, without NIL, I don't, I don't think he would have been in a Kentucky uniform. But for a guy that was averaging 17 points and 14 rebounds to only have four and six uh, is just a tribute to Alabama's defensive game plan. Um, Charles Bediaco, Nick Pringle, Noel Clowney, Noel Gurley, all those uh, interior players. Alabama's defense has been one of the most improved in the country from a year ago, and it showed on Saturday against Oscar Shibway. And also, I think one thing that, that also helped Alabama is what they did against him on the offensive end. Uh, he had a hard time guarding Alabama. You know, this is a versatile team uh, that can play a lot of different ways. They can go big. They can go small. Um, Alabama's going to play fast, spread you out. And it's hard for a 6, 9, or 10, 250-pound center to guard what Alabama does on the offensive end. So that was a big reason for it as well. Um, but it was an impressive performance on both ends by Alabama. Brian, next, Alabama will take on Arkansas. Um, they'll be on the road Wednesday. Um, talk about the challenge that awaits them ahead. Well, you know, it was a sellout crowd of right at close to 15,000 on Saturday. Intense, great environment, cheering for you. Uh, and it's going to be a, a similar situation in terms of packed house, sellout crowd, intense environment, but they're going to be cheering against you. And Bud Walton is one of the hardest places to play in the country when Arkansas is good, and they're really good. Now, they're coming off a loss, uh, but they're back home where they're uh, very comfortable, and it's going to be one of Alabama's hardest games of the year. I mean, this is a, an Arkansas team that's been the back-to-back Elite Eights. Um, you know, like Alabama, very talented. There'll be a bunch of NBA scouts there uh, because of the talent on the floor on both sides. So it's going to be a high-level game. Um, you know, there's there's a rivalry there um, between Alabama and Arkansas over the years. It, it started when Arkansas first came in the league in the early 90s with Nolan Richardson and Wimp Sanderson and some of those battles uh, in the in the early 90s. And, um, you know, there's been some ups and downs among both programs, but both are at a high level right now. Um, you know, top 10 caliber teams going at it. Uh, in, in a great environment. So it should be a lot of fun. I think all players involved are going to be excited to play this one. Hey, do a little bit further dive on that because the Arkansas-Alabama rivalry in the era you were just speaking of was one of the greatest I've seen in the SEC. And there were times where you see six, seven NBA guys on the floor. Um, you experienced going to Walton Arena. What What's it like and what are the – what are the freshmen like Brandon Miller? Uh, you can't prepare for that. Well, the good thing. Well, all right. Let's go. Let's go back to um, the rivalry. I mean, I know Matt. You remember the 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 SEC tournament in in Birmingham in '92. It's one of the greatest basketball games I've ever seen, been a part of. Um, just incredible atmosphere at the BJCC. You had. Uh, on Alabama side, Latrell Sprewell, Hollywood Robinson, Robert Ory. On Arkansas, you had uh, Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, Oliver Miller, and and there were just pros coming off the bench for both teams. I mean, you had Jason Caffey, a first rounder, coming off the bench for Alabama. <laughs> you had you know you had NBA future NBA players coming off the bench for Arkansas, and uh, Elliot Washington hits the three at the buzzer. Uh, to send the Crimson Tide to the championship game against Kentucky. So one of the great college basketball games, um, really, that, that we've ever seen in, in the Southeastern Conference. 
Uh, and so it kind of got started there, uh, and you know it's been great ever since. And it, it's back to that uh, that level of having you know top twenty five teams, top ten caliber teams going at it. And you know the atmosphere at Bo Walton is awesome when they're good. Uh, a lot like Tuscaloosa. I mean, they're big arenas. Um, the thing that that I like about Bo Walton is you know it the fans are right on top of you, and 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 it's twenty thousand of them. I mean, it's one thing uh, when you're at some of these arenas that are that are smaller and they're on top of you, um, but you know you have eight or nine thousand. When you when you're talking about twenty thousand, and and they the upper deck is hanging over and there's not a bad seat in the house, it's special. And that's going to be the case on Wednesday, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And and I would say, you know, for college basketball fans, um, that's a venue. If, if you hadn't had a chance to go, Rupp Arena, Bud Walton. Um, obviously Cameron Indoor, you know, there's some great venues, um, Fog Allen Fieldhouse in, in, in Kansas, uh, but Bo Walton's right up there is, a, is one of the great places to watch a college basketball game. When the Razorbacks are good and they have a, a top, uh, top opponent coming in, and that will be the case on Wednesday, so it should be a lot of fun. 92 semifinal game is the best college basketball game I've ever seen in person. Every trip down the floor was extraordinary, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> it was just and listen, fabulous. I, and then the hero is Elliot Washington. And I think that was his only basket of the game. And for those that don't know what Matt and I are talking about, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. It's incredible. You won't turn it off. Uh, hey, thanks, Brian. Have a good broadcast this week, and we'll talk to you later on. Thank you again. Thanks, Brian. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Indeed. Alabama. What a team they've got this year. Uh, that'll be a, a, a tall task, uh, especially since Auburn handed it to Arkansas this past weekend. The Hogs are not going to be happy. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Right now, you can get free carpet installation from the Home Depot. So while we're putting in your new carpet you'll have more time to take care of the lawn. Warming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 64. Wednesday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. practices and preparation we had at this time of year as we were finishing the year last year we were getting really high quality work out of about I would say seven or eight kids starting for us right now in the game tomorrow night we're scout team players or twos and the way we do our reps as the year goes our twos get a little more volume and our ones get a little less knowing that the twos need the work and might be up for call as uh, you have injuries so National Championship is tonight. TCU and Georgia, the Horn Frogs and the Bulldogs, 630. Uh, seems like I remember in the past that they kind of put these games later in the evening. As an old man in an officially one, uh, I'm glad to see 630 kicks. Of course, it probably won't kick till about 640, 645. But um, do you realize what that is out on the West Coast? I mean, they will start that game at 430. 
I mean, traffic hadn't even died down in Los Angeles, has it? <laughs> um, I'd imagine not. Uh, but anyway, I, I like that um, because uh, maybe it'll be over by 11. And uh, that's really not exaggerating that far. Um, hey, anything you want to pick up real quick out of the NFL before we get to the top of the hour? Well, I just saw that uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona Cardinals head coach, was fired um, today. And, um, you know, that's what Josh was referring to as, as Black Monday. Um, you know, it's the end of the regular season in the NFL. And uh, pretty much is one of those things that it's it's part of the business. Uh, you know, that's that's the unfortunate side of it. You know, if you, if you don't produce results, um, now is the time that they start looking elsewhere. And uh, we see that, that Cliff Kingsbury was the, the first victim of that. Um, However, I think he, he's definitely going to be a top candidate for other coaching uh, openings. Um, you know, the Carolina Panthers head coach, or excuse me, the owner, David Tepper, had mentioned he, he really wants an offensive-minded coach. That's exactly what Cliff Kingsbury is. Um, so he could get a look there. Um, but, I, I mean, I think he would fit great back at the college level, but I don't know if he, he's ready to you know, jump back down. I guess we'll have to see. But um, it's one of those those times of years where, you know, coaches are unfortunately going to get fired and uh, a lot of other teams are going to start looking to hire some other coaches. So definitely uh, something to keep an eye on throughout this week. Do you see a Bill O'Brien or a Jim Harbaugh in the picture here? Uh, in the picture for what? One of these NFL head coaching uh, For the openings? NFL job, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I would see um, – man, I, I could see Bill O'Brien back at the NFL level. I don't know if I would say a head coach – maybe back as a coordinator first. Um, but I, I definitely could see Harbaugh. I mean, it, it, I know he made it seem like he, he anticipates being back at Michigan. But, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is he's been um, having conversations with um, NFL organizations. So um, that alone just tells me that this guy has uh, enough interest to, to jump ship and head back to the NFL. Um, so I, I would not be shocked if we saw Jim Harbaugh back at the NFL level next season. Did you happen to tune in and watch my Packers collapse? Yeah. Uh, I, you know. I, I, I know. You I, win, you're in, and they lose. Man, well, that's unfortunate. But I and I didn't see that. But I did see that. Uh, there's a lot of speculation now because uh, Alabama's uh, former first round pick Jameson Williams um, was caught on camera uh, approaching Rodgers after the game and asked for uh, a jersey swap and. Uh, Rogers responded to him. I think I'm going to hold on to this one. Um, so that has sparked massive speculation. Um, could it be his last uh, game in Green Bay uh, or just the NFL period? Uh, we don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But um, definitely an interesting uh, take there. And it could just have been he just you know wanted to hold on to it. I mean, I I know I'm sentimental with my stuff, um, so that could be uh, the case as well. But um, there's a, there's a lot to, to speculate after hearing that. Did you hear that, Matt? Uh, yeah, a uh, little bit. And honestly, after this year, as up and down as he was, uh, I know this isn't the way he wanted to go out, but um, I think it's a very, very real possibility. Um, I did watch uh, with uh, much uh, uh, angst what Quay Walker did, the uh, former Georgia linebacker. He pushed one of the personnel or one of the managers, trainers, yeah, was the Lions? Trainer. yeah I, I don't understand what I mean I, I get guys are playing with a lot of emotion but I've never once thought to 
uh, push a game official or athletic trainer. And I think this is his second time being ejected from a game. It so it seems like uh, the guy has a lot of maturity issues that he might need to um, get settled over the course of this offseason. Well, his timing is horrible just uh, on the surface. But the fact that he pushed a trainer and everybody in the NFL is lauding the efforts of trainers, that was a really bad move. And also, you know, his alma mater is playing for the national championship tonight, too. So, way to go, Quay. He did seem very contrite in his apology on Twitter. But, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or maybe it's the other way around. Kevin Skarbinski, longtime sports writer, is up next on Big Noon Sports. year-end closeout sale is underway right now. Every new Nissan and pre-owned car, truck, and SUV must be sold. And yes, your current vehicle is needed today at TNT. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Lars taking a day off, taking care of some faculty business at the University of Alabama. Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller, soon to be joined here by Kevin Skarbinski. Just making you aware of the many platforms that you can now listen to us. Of course, our affiliates right here in Birmingham, in addition to Tuscaloosa, Aniston, Gadsden. Appreciate all of you that have dialed us in via the radio, but you can now just go to the website, too, and click Listen Live. That is uh, www.bignoonsports.com. So, that's how you can reach us and reach out, and we can reach right back at you over the radio. So appreciate everybody joining us today. As we talk about tonight, TCU, Georgia. Georgia's a 13-point favorite, 630 kick. Actually, it'll be a little bit later than that. SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Um, we'll be joined now by Kevin Skarbinski. Uh, Kevin, of course, certainly aware of Christian Miller and his um, accomplishments at the University of Alabama. Uh, Kevin, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, guys. Glad to be with you. Uh, appreciate you taking time. Uh, normally, we're used to talking about an Alabama being involved here, but that's not the case. Is it a little weird? It is strange. It's The last few weeks have been strange. The whole the last month has been strange. You know, watching Alabama play in the Sugar Bowl that was not part of the, uh, the college football playoff was strange. And tonight's game will be strange. Seeing not just, you know, we expect to see an SEC team in there. We expect to see Georgia in the hunt late, but TCU has obviously surprised everyone from the beginning of the season with what they've been able to accomplish. So, this is when's the last time we had a real Cinderella in in a college football championship game? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I'd have to look. It's definitely been a while. Tell us your thoughts. Give us give us your preview of tonight's matchup. You got you know Georgia, you know SEC team. Everybody's real familiar with them. Then you got TCU team that uh, coming into the season, no one really um, expected them to even be at this uh, at this level. Um, and then here they are facing Georgia for a national championship. Just uh, break down this game for us and give us your thoughts. There's a lot to like about TCU, Christian, and I'll admit the. The semifinal against Michigan was by far the most I've seen of TCU this year. I've seen highlights. I've watched bits and pieces of games, but that's the, that's the most time I've spent watching them and really 
focusing on the game, and, and they were very impressive. They've got talent. You know, they, they may not have been expected to do much this year in their first year uh, under Sonny Dykes, but, but they've got players. And when you've got a quarterback like Max Duggan who's made 42 starts and you've got a big-time receiver, Quentin Johnson, uh, I think has to be concerning to the Georgia coaches because we've seen what big-time receivers have done to the Georgia secondary the last couple of years. As good as their defenses have been, and we saw it with Alabama when Alabama's receivers were right, uh, they had trouble covering him. And Quentin Johnson, he had six catches for, I think it was 163 yards in the semifinal. He's had a, a number of 100-yard games this year. And, and their cornerbacks are as good a pair as you'll see in the country. So well, they, have, they had two pick sixes in the, in the game against Michigan. And, and occasionally Stetson Bennett will throw a, a, a pass that will make you scratch your head. So, so all of those reasons, I, I you know, I think it, there's a good chance that this could be a four-quarter game. But the one thing that I can't get past is that they lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. And even though they beat Kansas State in the regular season, they were down 28-10 to 10 mm. to K-State in the regular season. And having watched K-State against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, that gives me huge pause to think that TCU can actually pull off this upset tonight. I agree. You know, I, I want to ask you, me and Matt were, were talking briefly earlier about, you know, the job that Coach Smart has done over at Georgia and uh, how he's just really assembled that team there. Is there any uh, similarities that you see when you watch this Georgia team play that resembles somewhat of what you would see at Alabama uh, in previous years? Well, it, it really does. Yes, it reminds me of, of the early Saban years at Alabama. Maybe the first half uh, of the Saban uh, dynasty when when Kirby was there as the defensive coordinator you know now they can look they can light it up they can their receivers really stepped up in that semifinal against Ohio State and I think that had been a question mark about Georgia is you know how good are their receivers actually they have as a group they haven't had a great season now of course they've got a great tight end room uh, even though they're without Darnell Washington but uh, you know that's they are still more of a Defense first. They can grind it out with a run game. Uh, they can they can impose their will on you physically. You know that's what Alabama did so successfully, so consistently for years and years, until until they until uh, you know Nick Saban decided that you had to have a more wide open offense. You had to be able to score points because no matter how good you were on defense, other teams were going to score on you. And that's been that's been borne out, of course. And George, we've seen it with Georgia. You know, they had to come back. Their defense got got gashed by Ohio State, and they had to come back. They had to be able to score. And Stetson Bennett has been so impressive in these playoff games. The two last year, the one this year, in the biggest games. And even he didn't have a great game from start to finish against Ohio State. But when he absolutely had to be elite in the fourth quarter, he was. So yeah, there's there's a, and and I don't think anyone would suggest that Stetson Bennett's going to have a long and productive NFL career. Uh, whereas you know certainly we all expect that of Bryce Young. So that's that's another reason why you know the quarterbacks that that led Alabama to championships in the first half of the Saban era, you know they weren't they weren't NFL long term NFL starters, but they were really good college quarterbacks who stepped up when they were needed. And I, so that's another reason why yeah I see a lot of. I see a lot of early Alabama in the Georgia program. 
rare is the case that Bennett ever kind of steps out of his sandbox, but he did against Ohio State, and you just mentioned it. Um, he tried to do too much. Uh, was that a good wake-up call for him going into a national championship game again? You know, it, it really was, Matt. And and this is, again, you, you hear and see a lot of Nick Saban in Kirby Smart. And while everyone was celebrating Stetson Bennett after the game, Kirby made sure to say he's got to play better in the national championship game. And that, I don't know why, but that seemed to offend some people. But he was coaching. He was coaching the minute that game ended, he was coaching the next game. And, of course, that's one thing that Nick Saban has done so successfully is, you know, to always be coaching, always be looking for ways to improve, for messages to send to his players in different forums and and so Kirby did that right after that game. He didn't want he didn't want Stetson Bennett to think that he had had a great game from start to finish because he hadn't. Because as you said, he did some things, he got outside of himself and tried to do too much and when he does that, that's when he throws bad interceptions and and look, as we've seen, you do that against TCU and they can take it the other way in a hurry. And and all of a sudden you haven't just given up a turnover, you've given up points. So that's uh, that's something we'll, to watch tonight. But again, Kirby Kirby sent that message pretty effectively and pretty emphatically and quickly after after the semifinal to let them know that hey he had to play better. And and Stetson knows that as well. I mean he's been around enough. He's he's such a veteran that he knows that there are some things he has to clean up uh, in that game tonight. Kevin, if Georgia wins this game, they're going to be the first team in the college football playoff era to go. Back to back, um, the last time it was done was during the BCS era, and that was Alabama um, in 2011-2012. If they do that tonight, are you ready to say that they're the new pinnacle of college football, that they're the new dynasty, so to speak, or, or do you think that's still too early on to say about Georgia? Uh, the one thing I would say, and it, look, it, let's let's be honest, it will be the most impressive two-year run, I think, that we've seen uh, maybe ever. Because, A, the number of games you have to play. You know, they played 15 last year. They're going to play game number 15 tonight. So they've had to play 30 games over two years. They only lost one, and that was that uh, SEC championship game to Alabama last year. So they've had to play a conference championship game each year. They've played two playoff games each year. And, you know, again, they were 14-1 and last year, and now they're 14-0. and uh, They could be 29-1 and over these two years. And when you do that, when you go through the SEC and you post that kind of record and you step up and you win playoff games, uh, that's, that's as impressive as it gets. Now, have they, have they supplanted Alabama? No, because Alabama hasn't gone away. But I will say for the first time, I think there is a program that is now on the same level as Alabama, that can look Alabama in the eye and not blink and not take a back seat. And I think Kirby and I wrote this uh, in a column the other day in the lead, I think Kirby has, if, if they get that game tonight, I think he will have graduated, if you will, from being Nick Saban's protege to being his really only true peer in college coaching right now. Our guest is Kevin Skarbinski. Tell us a little bit about or a lot about the lead and, and how folks can dial that in along with AL.com. And then, Go ahead and put it out there. Who do you think is going to be celebrating tonight? Okay, well, I appreciate that, Matt. Yes, uh, The Lead is a new publication, relatively new. It's uh, almost a year old now. 
from the folks at the Alabama Media Group, and they're the ones who put out AL.com, and at least for another month or so, uh, the Birmingham News, the Mobile Press Register, and the Huntsville Times. And it's a, it's a subscription product, so you do have to pay for it. It's a daily newspaper, essentially, a, delivered to your inbox. A lot of good content in there, including sports, but beyond sports. And I, I write twice a week. Uh, usually you'll see my work on Sundays and Thursdays. So you can go to Birmingham Lead, and Lead is spelled L-E-D-E, uh, BirminghamLead.com, to see how you can get a subscription. And then AL.com on their sports page, they run a snippet or a teaser, if you will, of my columns to give you an idea of what I'm writing about, and then they give you an opportunity to go ahead and, and get a subscription. It's very reasonably priced, and I, I you know, not to uh, pat myself on the back, but I just think the overall content is very well worth, uh, very well worth your, your money and your time. So give that, give that a look. And then who's going to win tonight? Uh, I, I can't not pick Georgia. You know, for the longest time, I, I couldn't not pick Alabama in a championship game, in a playoff game, in any kind of game with major consequences. I think Georgia has gotten to that point now. And like I said, I think TCU is capable. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a four-quarter game. They've, TCU has played a bunch of one-score games this year. They've been very successful in most of those, all but one, really. Uh, but I just think Georgia is too much. I think overall they've got too much talent. I think they've got the experience. And, and I think the Ohio State game was a wake-up call for them. You know, for a month everyone told Ohio State they weren't good enough. They had no shot. And you don't tell a bunch of talented athletes that and not expect them to step up, and the Buckeyes certainly did. So George, they gave Georgia all they wanted. Uh, Georgia will be ready for this game, and and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel of this long two two year thirty game slog that they've been through. And Christian knows what a grind it is week in and week out when everybody's shooting for you. I think Georgia though has has more than enough to get it done tonight. Yeah, that's man, that's an understatement. A grind, it really is. You get everybody's best shot every <laughs> every single week. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. Real quick, the uh, Chicago Bears on the shift years, they just uh, established a number one overall pick. We've got two uh, guys in that conversation, in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. If you had to pick one, uh, who could potentially be there? Uh, which which would you choose? Now, obviously, the Bears have you know Justin Fields, who has had a, a really great season for them. Um, but Bryce Young is a, is a is a, a a very talented playmaker, and and most definitely could help contribute. Um, if you had to pick one of those guys going number one overall, which would it be? Or would you see it being someone else, like maybe a C.J. Stroud, who has also inserted his name in these conversations? Well, from from what I've seen, if if I were picking a quarterback, I, I would not pick any quarterback ahead of Bryce Young. He would be my my choice if I needed a quarterback. It really comes down to what the Bears think. Do, are they do they see Justin Fields as their long time uh, starter that's going to get them back where they want to go, back to the playoffs, back to contention? And if they if they do, then I think Will Anderson's your pick. And if if they're not sure about Justin Fields, then I don't think you can go wrong with Bryce Young. I I think one of those two should be the first choice. And again, it really comes down to what do the Bears think their need is. But anyone who chooses, let me just say this. Uh, anyone who chooses a quarterback ahead of Bryce Young, uh, they might need to uh, they might need to undergo a uh, psychiatric examination when it comes to their football knowledge. <laughs> He's a special player. I'm a really I've said this publicly, Kevin. Um, you know there are players that you really really liked watching, but there are players that you just look forward to every snap. And and, and players like Bo and I remember David Palmer was just electric, but. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss watching Bryce play like no other player we've had here in the last decade, I think. 
I think you spoke for a lot of people, me included, when you said that, Matt. Absolutely. He was special, and we hope that he has a long and, and successful NFL career, and I, I certainly feel he will. Thank you so much, Kevin. We'll talk again very soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Yes, sir. Thanks, Kevin. You bet. That's a Kevin Skarbinski, longtime sports writer. He is now with AL.com slash the lead. Subscribe, read it, and you'll get his great opinion a couple times a week. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Christian and I will be back to talk a little bit more about the NFL in just a moment. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. I'm attorney Stephen Mizrano. We've all heard the different lawyer ads. Call me. I am nothing but a winner. What should I do? Go with the one you trust to protect you and coming trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 64, Wednesday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. www.bignoonsports.com and also uh, our Twitter feed uh, at Big Noon Sports. Appreciate you dialing us in. Uh, Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller. Lars taking the day off. He'll be back with us tomorrow. I want to urge you to also participate via the phone. I don't give the number out often enough, but I'll throw it your way right now and you can call us up if you'd like to at 205-342-9904. We urge you first-time callers and and then the regular ones that we have as well. Again, the number is 205-342-9904. Let's uh, drift back to the National Football League for just a minute. Uh, Anybody in this group uh, in the wild-card weekend coming up uh, and in the playoffs, it really surprised Christian Miller? Um, Oh, man. I don't know if I would say surprise. I mean, cause you know the way the NFL works. I mean, you almost pretty much know, um, you know, kind of how it's going to play out. But, oh, man, it was more so just surprising on some of these teams that didn't end up making it. You know, I, Green Bay, you know, falling short, that was more of a surprise to me than some of the teams that I did see uh, make it. Um, I'll be honest. I know Tampa Bay um, is in, but I don't see them getting out of that first round. They they face the Dallas Cowboys. They're capable of winning that game. I just Tom Brady's just struggled this year, Matt. You know, he just he's really struggled. Yeah. And I just I don't think this is going to be his year. Now he could go out there and prove me wrong, but facing the Dallas Cowboys defense, I mean, those guys are electric. If you watch the way they play, man, they play fast and physical. A guy like Micah Parsons, who's uh coming off the edge. This guy was drafted as a middle linebacker, and he's uh arguably one of the the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um you can line him up anywhere. He's just, oh my gosh, man, this guy's motor runs so hot. He just is, is just so fast. His first step is is, is unbelievable, and uh, half the time he's just running past tackles. So I think Tom Brady's got his hands full. So I, I man, I, I don't know. This this I feel like this is going to be a very interesting playoff picture for the NFL this year. Yeah, it really is. Um, and the Bucks make it. And by virtue of winning their division, same thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm, oh, I'm yeah, very curious was, to see was... what Trevor Lawrence does uh, at this point. But the biggest surprise to me is Seattle. 
I mean, Geno Smith, I mean, he's really not in the conversation. I, I, I think that Jalen Hurts is probably going to be your MVP. But, I mean, this guy comes out of nowhere. I mean, we, we'd all heard him. He'd had some uh, spot starts in the National Football League. I think he had some success was a few years ago with the Jets. Mm-hmm. But for him to take that team after, uh, you know, the, the trades and all that and, you know, Russell Wilson going to Denver – Boy, that was a bomb, wasn't it? But um, I'm real interested to see. I think the Niners will take care of business. But I, I think if I were just to line up all the teams that are in the playoffs and say, now that one surprised me from the beginning of the year, it would be the Seahawks. I agree. And, uh, man, Geno Smith has had a phenomenal year. And uh, it, you love seeing guys like that go out there and have success because he's um, been nothing short of a hard worker his entire NFL career and, and one of those unsung hero type of players. And to see him, um, you know, finally get an opportunity again um, after them trading Russell Wilson and them handing him the keys and saying, hey, we, we we're putting our trust in you. You know, he, he beat out Drew Locke in a quarterback battle. Um, and he just played great. He was even named to the Pro Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that that definitely was a surprise. They, they, they've got some good stuff going on. One of my former teammates, uh, Bruce Irvin, um, his, his has returned to Seattle. They brought him mid mid uh, mid year through the year, and uh, he's been playing great. Uh, I think he's up to about four and a half or five sacks. And uh, you know, I, I think they're they're definitely um, a threatening team. I don't I don't know if I see them winning at all, but uh, the fact that they're in the playoffs is is a big ac- accomplishment in itself. Are you uh, real heavy on the lean towards the AFC team winning it? You know, Matt, I, I kind of am. I mean, you you look at who's in the AFC with. With Buffalo, um, you know, Miami was definitely a big threat when when Tua was healthy, and they were they were firing on all cylinders with Jalen Waddle and and uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, but you look at uh, man, you got the, the Bengals. Uh, honestly, I think it's arguably between you know Buffalo, Cincinnati, or, or maybe uh, yeah. I, if I had to lean AFC, I saw all right. So AFC, I think it's between you know Cincinnati or Buffalo. Um, but NFC, man. I know I want to say the Eagles because I love what Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are doing. Um, but sometimes those teams that do so well throughout the regular season, for whatever reason, end up kind of falling short once the postseason comes. Now, I hope that's not the case with them because I'm a big you know, Jalen Hurts fan. That's it's like, a, you know, a brother to me. But um, sometimes that is the case. Um, but if I had to pick, I, I probably would say probably between, you know, Buffalo or um, Cincinnati. But how how good of a story would that be? If if Buffalo were to go and win it all after um, the devastating um, injury that happened to Demar Hamlin, um, for them to go and, and and win a Super Bowl, I mean that would just, that would be storybook ending, nothing short of a miracle. And I, I don't know if you watched the Buffalo game, but the first play of the game, uh, they take it back to the house for a touchdown on the opening kickoff. Did you see that? Yes, wasn't that like first time ever? Something crazy like that, I man. Know. But um, yeah, I uh, I don't know why. I, I, maybe it's McCaffrey. I don't know. I'm. I think the Forty ers have got a shot. And and I I hesitate to say it because we all know where we're broadcasting from. But I have Christian Miller's exact thoughts about the Eagles, and I, maybe because they were a little discombobulated down the stretch, they had such an unbelievable start, and then everybody starts pencil penciling them in as Super Bowl champs or Super Bowl worthy. And, and then I just didn't see the cohesiveness that uh, in the latter part of the season, and a lot of that was because Hurts was banged up. 
But I don't know. Uh, I think right now if you forced my feet to the fire, I would pick the 49ers. Um, and then I'm, I'm all in with the Bills, and, and, and I think that for several reasons. But uh, I would have said that before the unfortunate uh, accident uh, injury to, to DeMar Hamlin. But uh, we'll see. So you, you're taking the 49ers even with – now I know he's been playing – Outstanding and uh, far exceeding anyone's expectations. But Brock Purdy, and, and again, tip my hat to him. I mean, this guy stepped up. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he was Mr. Irrelevant, if I'm not mistaken. But, man, the, the guy can flat out play. But if he could lead them to a Super Bowl, that would be. It, but then again, you notice nothing, nothing really surprises me at this point. You know, in football, it really can go any way on any given day. And that's what people have to understand, especially at the professional level. You know, in college, we see these, you know, these powerhouses and these dynasties, and you, you typically see um, familiar faces when it comes to the postseason in, in college football. But I'll tell you one thing about the NFL, man, is anybody can lose on any given day. And that's just because the, the talent uh, of these players is impeccable. I mean, it's, everyone is good. You know, the, these are the best in the world, and, and they get paid to do what they do for a reason. So, Oh man, that that NFL is is, is tricky to kind of to figure out sometimes because it, it's it's not like college where you look at you see the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Michigans, Ohio States. That don't work like that really in the NFL. I mean, you got your you know your couple teams that kind of just are kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. But in terms of you know whoever has a ch- whoever has a chance, I mean, it really could be anybody. Um, there are a few that I might count out, but uh, you got to have a. A little bit of my rationalization, and actually it's not rational at all. Um, I don't think that the Seahawks are but a one-and-done and one-and-out of here. Um, so that's the reason I picked the 49ers there. Uh, the Giants, I'm just not uh, believing it. Um, and I can't pick the Minnesota Vikings because they are in the uh, in the same division with the Packers. So I just can't do that. <laughs> Cowboys are just... They're so up and down, and, and although Dak is back and he shows every sign of, of being healthy, hasn't he thrown a pick in like seven straight games or something like that? Yeah, he, he, he struggled a little bit. Hopefully he can pick it back up in the playoffs. Of course, uh, nothing would thrill folks better if uh, you got a 100% Tua. But, man, they got to open up in Buffalo. Dad, I don't see that happening. And then, of course, we don't have our representative from the Cincinnati Bengals here, but... I'm sure. Don't you think we'll hear from him tomorrow? I'd imagine so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Back, by the way, taking your phone calls at 205-342-9904. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Straight Talk Wireless knows there are plenty of reasons you might need a new phone. (gasps) But switching to a better wireless provider doesn't have to be one of them. Keep your own phone and save when you... Story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Lincolns was set. I got a taste of it during basketball season uh, when I when I first got here in the spring. It kind of peeled to the strange part of my intellect, I guess, and it seemed like when the Hypnotoad came out, something good happened. I've only been able to watch it like a couple times in my career because I haven't really noticed it, but I've seen videos on Twitter after. But the video kind of gets the fans going because the student section's all riled up. A few times I had to like snap back into it because there's a whole lot going on in the videos because it's got the frog with eyes on there. It's like, oh. I didn't even know it was a thing until I believe we were playing Oklahoma State. I thought somebody was a little dinged up you know, inside the bar, but when I realized they had the hypnotoad going, man, I looked up there on the big screen and it looked like I was getting hypnotized, you know? <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, that's a couple of quotes on hypnotoad. 
which uh, I had only heard of briefly, but evidently that's a thing there, uh, Christian Miller. Uh, coming out of, uh, I guess, the creator of Hypnotoad was Eric Kaplan, who was a writer for the show Big Bang Theory, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but, I mean, he has a history in the television business and writing. And um, now, as, as uh, Josh told us just a minute ago, it has the power to make you believe whatever it wants you to believe by means of hypnosis. <laughs> so is that how TCU has gotten through the season? Maybe so. Maybe the <laughs> hypnotoad is doing a lot more work behind the scenes than we realize. I don't know. Whatever they're doing is working. So they just uh, <laughs> they need to do it tonight if they want a chance to win this national championship. Don't you think they need a break? I mean, they, you know, Michigan certainly helped them out, you know, with the pick, pick, two pick sixes. Um, I really think Georgia, the way TCU wins this game is possibly Georgia hands them a couple of big turnovers. Well, I wouldn't even just say, you know, hand it to them. I mean, I say that if they go out there and earn it, right, you know, I, I will say their their team speed helps them. It, it's in their favor in, in terms of forcing turnovers. And, uh, look, I, I think the keys to win for TCU would be this, right? You need to attack. Georgia has few vulnerabilities, and but their main vulnerability to me is their passing defense. They struggle against the pass. If I'm TCU, you know, I'm going to, you know, dominate the line of scrimmage first and foremost because they are very balanced. But open up your passing game and attack that that uh, Georgia secondary, you know. And, and again, they, they lead the country in, in big plays. So you need that tonight. You need those big plays. But they, they just they, they pretty much have to do everything right, in my opinion. They, they have to attack that secondary. They have to force turnovers um, because co- turnovers take points away and they lead to points for your team. Um, and, and, and ultimately you just have to, you know, don't, don't, you know, think, oh, it's a championship game. We're going to try to, you know, mix it up and do all this stuff different. No, I mean, stick to, stick to your guns and what, what works for you and what works for them is they're a very balanced offense where they can attack you running the football and throwing the football, stick to that, you know, don't, don't try to uh, get away from, from who you are just because of the, the magnitude of this game. Um, we saw that against Michigan. They ran the ball effectively against Michigan, and they passed the ball effectively against Michigan. They they made big plays when it when it counted, and and that's ultimately what's what's important. You know, big time players make big time plays, especially in big time games. They need their guys to step up. They need their receiver to step up. They need Max Duggan to step up, and they they need their defense to step up and do a good job containing Georgia's um, you know offense. Because again, Georgia, you know, a lot of people talk about their running game and their their rushing attack, but. Um, Stetson Bennett has some really solid receivers and uh, they have arguably the best tight end in college football in Brock Bowers and I think if you can neutralize him um, that presents a lot of problems for Georgia and if you can make them one dimensional that helps you out a lot Um, so they definitely have their hands full but it's possible Christian I think one of the things that surprised me and and a lot of those that, that, that follow the game of college football is that TCU a big 12 team okay and I'm throwing out my little air quotes there uh, couldn't be physical. Well, they sure as heck proved that to Michigan, mm-hmm. and I, I think they're going to prove it again tonight. But um, I just think that there's a big difference between the physical that they faced even against Michigan and what they're going to face against Georgia tonight. Uh, am I extremely out of bounds on that one? No, 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 you're right. I mean, I will say, you know, Michigan's offensive line did win the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country, and they did a phenomenal job against those guys. Um, but I would, you know, I'd probably put my money on Georgia being 
um, a, a much more physical opponent than Michigan. That's just my opinion. It probably is a little uh, partial because I played in the SEC, but I also um, experienced SEC and understand um, what that means. And, and, and when they say it just means more, it really does. Um, however, um, you, you know, it's just an interesting uh, dynamic. So, you know, TCU is known for their three-three-five defense, which is a three three down lineman front. You know, you got three linebackers and five uh, guys in the secondary. And you would think that a team like Michigan would just line up and, um, and and just run the ball down their throw. I mean, they're playing with three down linemen, but for whatever reason, um, that didn't necessarily happen in that football game. Um, so whatever they're doing, you know, it, it, it somewhat works. I personally am not a fan of those defenses just because I feel like you're a little light in the, light in the tail up front. And, you know, if, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm licking my chops and I'm saying, shoot, I'm going to dial up this run game and we're just going to pound it on these guys and, and until they make an adjustment. Um, but they did, to your, to your, to your point. You know, they, they held their own against Michigan. So that's what's surprising, Matt. It's, it's, it's just it's interesting. You know, there's all these, these things that people say about them, like, oh, they're not physical or, oh, they don't play defense. But for some reason, they, they find a way. And that's ultimately what matters is you find a way at the end of the day. It seems like every time you want to find something to pick at with TCU, they turn around and show you, up. Oh, we got that too. Right. Um, just about in every phase of the football game. When you got a quarterback like a, a, a Max Duggan, and let's just put you, Christian, as an edge guy, um, what kind of problems does he present? I mean, because he can't just blister you with speed, but he's a smart runner, and right. he picks his time. Does TCU have a certain package or does Duggan just kind of take it on its own? And do you have to kind of stay at home a little bit if you're an edge guy? So here's the thing. So when you face a quarterback um, with his skill set that can uh, defeat you with his legs, can extend plays with his legs, um, can escape out of the pocket, can run, can operate that zone read offense, um, it's, it's, it's vital that you maintain your integrities of your defense. Most importantly, the integrity of your rush lanes up front, right? Um, the last thing you want to do is, you know, run past a quarterback. You know, Coach Saban used to always say, if, you, if you're rushing past a quarterback, we're now playing with 10. You're taking yourself out of the play. So you, you, you have to maintain rush lanes and your rush integrity. Um, if you're working with guys, you know, communicate that, right? So, you know, th there's stunts that we call TE or ET where, uh, you know, the, the edge guy might set a pick on the guard and the, and the three technique is going to wrap for contain. Um, uh, and, and vice versa, that the, the three technique can go pick the inside hip of that tackle and that edge guy can, you know, take three steps up the field, come wrap underneath in the A-gap and come free. So if you're going to run those type of games, it's crucial that you, number one, communicate them until you execute your assignment. Um, and that way you, you maintain your rush lanes because a guy like Max Duggan, as soon as he sees that opening, he's going to step up and he's going to, he's going to take advantage of that. He's going to, he's going to scramble for, for a first down. He's going to get out of the pocket. He's going to be able to step up and make a throw, extend a play. Um, so those, those things are vital. And then when they run the zone read, you got to make sure whoever has responsibility for the quarterback does their job. You know, you can't have your eyes looking at the football and look like you want to crash down on the dive because then he's going to pull the football and run on the edge and he's running for 8, 10, 12 yards, maybe even more. Um, so we've seen that Kirby's smart and sometimes some of these Alabama defenses and these Georgia defenses, um, so to speak, struggle against these these dual threat type of quarterbacks. So it's going to be vital and imperative that the Georgia defense does a good job um, neutralizing Max Duggan tonight in this championship game. Conversely, um, what does TCE need to do uh, to try and contain or um, not let Bennett pull the magic late? 
I think they need to control the line of scrimmage. They need to do a good job of being physical up front and try to neutralize Georgia's rushing attack and ultimately um, kind of harass Stetson Bennett. We've seen that he's, uh, you know, responsible for some, for some errant throws here and there. And, and mo- most of the time that comes when he's feeling pressure, when the pocket is collapsing. Uh, TCU has a, a really good edge defender. I can't remember his name right now, um, but it, it's going to be uh, crucial for him to be able to get some pressure on Stetson. Um, anytime a quarterback is having to get off their mark and step up and, 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 and have that pressure uh, being felt, you know, that's when they're, they're vulnerable to make uh, mistakes and, 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 and bad throws. And, and, and bad throws and air decisions leads to tip balls and, and turnovers. So um, really just affect him. Um, but, again, Georgia can do a really good job running the football. We saw that against Ohio State and, and throughout the season. So, and, and that starts up front. So I think, you know, physically they have to do their job up front. I think that's key in this football game. And that goes for stopping the run and as well as uh, rushing the passer when, when Stetson drops back to the football. Well, as Pat Dye used to say, among other coaches, the hay's in the barn. So uh, we're going to make a <laughs> yeah. pick or two here with uh, with Christian and uh, Josh. And we'll get some thoughts from your folks down there at Tide as well. As you listen to Big Noon Sports, probably squeeze in one more phone call if you'd like to dial us up at 205-342-9904. This is Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Football is back, and no one does it better than the sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino. This season, you can watch the games with nothing on the line. Boring. Boring trend tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 64, Wednesday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. excitement of the national championship game is set for 6.30, a little after that, ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, and then streaming. It's going to be everywhere. Christian, do you do you have plans on uh, where, when, how, with whom you're going to watch the game? I think I'm just going to watch it at home, might cook some food, but probably just going to hang out at the house and, and, and turn the game on there. I think me and my dad are actually going to do a little podcast on our new little podcast that we started on YouTube called the Miller's Edge. I think we're going to stream that an hour before kickoff. So if anybody's interested in listening, that's uh, the Miller's cool. Edge on YouTube, and that'll uh, be one hour before kickoff. So I believe that'd be 5.30 Central to 6.30. All right. Um, I love asking you questions like this because you've been there, done that, and gotten a ring or two. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one f- almost 150. Um what are players doing now? In fact, just go back. You wake up. What do you do? Kind of take us through what a player just about to get in the national championship game does game day. 
It's going to be the same. Well, from my experiences, it's the same as if any other game you play um, for the most part. Um, uh, so if, <laughs> the timing always messes me up because it changes depending on the game. But if the game is at, I guess, 630 Central, um, I'd imagine pregame meal would probably be a few hours before. I don't know. Jesus, man, this is throwing me off. I don't maybe like, I don't know, early afternoon, I'd say. Um, but typical routine, you know, that, you know, you're going to do your 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 pregame walk. Um, you're you're going to do the, the hotel walk through with the chairs. Probably you're going to do the um, same thing you always do. Your, your quick little signal callers meetings that we do. Um, everything should be the same for the most part. And then uh, uh, once you, you finish pregame meal, you might have a brief little uh, meeting with the uh, you know, offense and the defenses. And then you board the buses, head to the stadium, um, get to the stadium a few hours before kickoff. Guys start loosening up, getting warmed up, getting stretched out, taped. Um, you'll have, you know, the pregame. Go out there, uh, uh, do your, you know, your little, you know, quick little individual period with your, your teammates and then, then do the, um, you know, little quick little run through of, you know, two series and then head back in the locker room, get ready to get get out on the field for kickoff. But uh, ultimately, you know, we always did things. We tried to, at least Coach Saban always did his best to keep things um, as, as normal as possible because he didn't want it to feel like it was anything different because at the end of the day, it's just another football game. You know, obviously you're playing for a national championship, but um, at the end of the day, um, you both got to go out there, you know, put your cleats on, put your pants on, the same exact way you've done all season long. It's just the last time you'll do it for this season. And if you win it, you're going to be, you're going to be crowned a champion. So typically the routine uh, stays about the same. Uh, what does a pregame meal consist of? Do you carbo load or just kind of eat what you want? Steak, uh, lasagna, uh, grilled chicken, um, some vegetables like you know broccoli, uh, sometimes carrots, maybe um, stuff like mashed potatoes. Um, same, same, pretty much same pregame meal that that you'll have. Um, obviously, you don't have the the dessert bar like you would have uh, the the night before you travel. Um, but yeah, but your, your typical pregame stuff, which you know, it's got good carbs, proteins, things that are going to provide the right fuel for you to go out there and, and play a, a, a big time football game and uh, make sure you're good to go. Uh, things that can, you know, potentially help prevent cramping. You'll see things like salt tablets and, um, you know, pickles and things that, that have higher sodium content to uh, do a good job of uh, keeping your body um, with proper hydration. So stuff like that, just to make sure um, you're the best that you can be to go out there and play your very best. Uh, night before games on a regular weekend, you know, play on a Saturday, you go out see a movie the night before. Do you remember if you did that during the national championship game? That's a great question. I don't uh, specifically remember. Um, we may or may not have. Sometimes, if, I, if, if I'm if i not mistaken, we might not have. They might have just given you the night before just to kind of relax, spend time with your family if they're in town, and just kind of just get off your feet and really just, um, you know, lock in and, and do whatever that you do. Um, to get ready to play the next day. So I want to say I don't think we did see a movie before a championship game just because they they, they wanted everybody to have the opportunity to to do whatever type of prehab they needed to do. If they needed to get a a massage or get their ankles uh, worked on, just whatever they needed to do just to to feel prepared. So maybe not a movie for the championship game. Was there ever a movie that you saw in your career at Alabama you went, wow, I'm glad I watched that one? American Sniper, without a doubt. We saw. We always really? saw good movies, but American Sniper. I, I vividly remember watching that. And granted, I'm also a big uh, military guy. I mean, I grew up 
uh, right outside of a military base of uh, that's Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, pretty much everybody I know, you either went to college or went to the military, and then I, I think probably three fourths of my my friend groups and and, and family um, spent some time in some type of service, whether it's Army, uh, Marines, Navy, uh, what have you. So, yeah, American Sniper was definitely probably my favorite. All right, let's go around the table. I'm going to start with Josh, who's to my left here in Crawford Studios. Just give me a score. Give me a prediction. Josh, what you got? I'm going to go 38-35, Georgia. Wow, close. I think that Georgia's still going to win, but I don't think that they're going to win by big. All right, in, in your studio, I guess you've got Aiden um, yep. running the controls, maybe Joe. Yep. Jump in here and give me a prediction. Uh, Georgia 45, TCU 42. Might be flip-flopped, but I wow. like the Horned Frogs a lot. Wow. How about you there, big CM? You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 41-31. Georgia winning it. I mean, they got the number one red zone defense, number two rushing defense, number two and third down percentage getting off the field. I just think their defense is going to do a really good job, and I, I think they're going to go out there and, and get the job done. I'm gonna uh, go a little bit more one-sided. I'm gonna take Georgia 40-20. Oh, wow. So uh, we will see. I, now, I really do hope it's a closer game than that, but. You never know what you're going to get. And while I'll be pulling for Georgia, I, I don't think I'll be extremely upset throwing foam bricks at the TV set if TCU managed to pull this upset because, wow, would that be huge in the world of college football. All right, guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow after the game. Uh, enjoy tonight. Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on